0: Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now onto the show. Moving Iron in the 21st century. hello and welcome to moving iron podcast number 122 this week my guest is Greg machinery Pete Peterson Um, Greg is always gracious enough to come on here and and, and pick uh, let me pick his brain a little bit about what he sees happening out there in the in the equipment marketplace and what he sees going on with all the auctions that he travels to and, and the people he talks with so Greg welcome to the show
1: hey thanks for having me on Casey
0: always fun All right, buddy so let's talk about what into 2018 going into 2019 here what that last quarter of the year look like um, as far as the inventories go compared to the beginning of 2018?
1: Well, I, I think what we saw in the used market, Casey, end of 18 was sort of a continuation of the trend we started to see at the very end of 17, And it was basically, you know, sort of surprising, I guess you would say, strength, uh, hard cash pricing. Um all based on the condition of the equipment. That needs to be the first qualifier. So if it's in good condition, um, the buyer demand out there was, you know, it surprised a lot of folks across the segment. But I think if you pull back, it, it makes sense. I mean, um, we saw the AEM numbers were up, tractors and combine sales a little bit in 18. And again, I started to see in late 17, I, I think it has a great deal to do with some pent up demand At that point, it'd been, what, four and a half years since uh, things got a little tougher, uh, profit pressure for farmers, so kind of needing to update their equipment lines. And the result is that, uh, you know, good condition used when it was showing up at auction, the pricing was was pretty strong. And it's actually carried over right through January here. Um, Not a ton of auctions in January 19, but the farm auctions we've seen, Again, the pricing has been solid and the other trend we're seeing is kind of incredible the amount of late model equipment That's on these auctions. It's just kind of
0: astounding. But again, pricing
1: has been not too bad.
0: Yeah, so I've been tracking a few things here <clears throat> Well before we get to that, let's jump into this So now here we are the first Month of the year January is about wrapped up here. It's uh, January 30th as we record this and we are moving in to what I would consider to be, you know, February, March time frame as a pretty, you know, peak time uh, for, for buying used equipment, mm-hmm. guys moving into to playing season, guys, you know, looking at updating their combine and those kind of things moving into the pre-harvest sales. So what are you seeing so far the first part the first month of the year and, and how do you think that is going to compare to this time last year when you go back and take a look at your numbers?
1: Well, I I see positive signs, I guess, Casey, on a number of fronts. Again, one is just the pricing, hard cash auction, what are folks paying? And again, the the nice auctions we've seen, uh, farm auctions, uh, online auctions, consignment sales around the country in January, for the most part, I would say performed pretty well, kind of a continuation of the end of 18. Um, I mean, we had our own machinery Pete online dealer auction that ended December 27th and if we when we looked at that as a whole at the pricing i think the overall the numbers maybe perform maybe at or just a little above so that was to me kind of indicative of what we've been seeing so there's that that truth auction pricing has been good <clears> on <throat> good condition stuff and we can also look uh at search traffic to our com website and across it's interesting across the the major the bigger equipment categories so the 175 horse plus tractors was up significantly uh in fourth quarter um and some of it you might expect coming off third quarter you know end of year buying patterns but it was a little bit beyond that um you know combines uh planters planters are a huge spike that we saw and that's just people looking um so again now we've got hard cash auction pricing being solid to a little bit up Now we can also correlate the raw number of people looking, which was a little bit up. And the kind of the third data point, I guess it's not really a data point, but when I go around to like farm shows and I talk to manufacturers. Uh, So yesterday I was in Des Moines at the Iowa uh, Power Farming Show. And we're doing some video and just talking to, you know, talking to companies that, you know, whatever, sell planter attachments or make this or that solution. And if I could nut it down into one synopsis there, most of those folks are saying, man, we're, we're getting quite a bit of traffic at the shows this winter. Um, so again, I think that's correlates to people looking and as it, how, how it all, you know, ties back to the reality that, you know, times are kind of tough continuing. I, it's just an interesting mix right now, but that, that's what I'm seeing, Casey.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> So there's a there's a trend I've been trying to pay attention to and try to watch quite a bit because I, I have concern about what our product mix is going to look like um, from an Im- like inventory standpoint across all all platforms, right? So when you go out in the mm-hmm. websites and you look at the different websites that are out there, you're going to see X, Y, and Z, and, and and how does that shape up and how does that compare to you know different things you see happening across across the network? So my my biggest concern I have right now is not so much. Um, if we're going to sell equipment, because I really feel like 2019 is going to be a, a replica of 2018. I really do believe that there's, unless something, you know, crazy happens and some, something really breaks loose. or there's a weather event or the China thing gets taken care of or, or, or whatever it might be. There could mm-hmm. be, you know, there could be some weather events, you know, as far as planning goes, there could be any, you know, anything we've had, you know, we've had so many different things happen over the last couple of years when it comes to how, uh, how harvest and playing season takes off and, and what that looks like. So I, I'm looking at equipment right now and I've been tracking hour groups um, of equipment. So for example, on a combine, I'll break things down into into incremental hour ranges and graph it, you know, so zero to 300, mm-hmm. 300 to 500, you know, so on and so forth all the way up. And what I'm seeing is, is a little bit of a disturbing sign where the late, out, the late model, Low-hour stuff that falls into that 300-hour, that 500-hour range is uh, significantly lower by about 10 times, 10-fold lower than what you see on the other end of that 2,000-plus range. Now, you would expect that because um, the stuff that's 2,000-plus hours now is, are that, is that 2012, 2014 stuff um, that there was just a mass production, right? And that stuff now is that... You start looking at useful life Um, decisions are being made do I spend a bunch of money to repair it and kind of keep it going um, again after I've done it once already or do I uh, go out and buy me something new so what I'm afraid of is gonna happen is when these because of the new orders that we sold over the uh, first part you know over 18 and those are going to start getting delivered now. New combines, new four-wheel drives, planters, those kind of things. That you might see a spike on the late model stuff, low-hour stuff. And then you're going to have another spike on the other end. And then stuff in the middle, and there might not be a stuff, enough stuff in the middle to fulfill the the washout cycle so you can wash everything out. So do you have a sense at all that you've uh, when you look at your your machine repeat data that you have on your website where you're, you're seeing something like that where you have a... Uh, kind of a, a heavier load on the back side of, of the hour range compared to what you see on the front the front side. And do you see that front side yeah. starting to grow more?
1: Yeah. My, oh my God, that's unbelievable, Casey. That's exactly what we're seeing. Uh, it's unbelievable. Um, it's interesting that you track the volume based on hour range like that because that jives exactly with what we're seeing. So in that low hour. You know, one, two, three-year-old stuff shows up at auction. Um, like I saw la- end of last week, Thursday and Friday, there were auctions in Arkansas, Tennessee, and Texas. Um, which usually down south, you know, it, it's a little bit, a little bit trickier um, what stuff brings versus up in the north. But solid pricing. So there's demand on that, like you say, on that on that late model low hour stuff. And then there's the, the bubble you identified. Like that 2012 to 14, that is the right square in it. And that's softer. The auction pricing on that stuff, you know, and again, we expect more hours, whatever, but there's this soggy spot where the value, you know, you look at the values in the year over year depreciation, hard cash auction pricing, it's like, ooh, you know, that's a pretty good hit. You move past that and you get, you know, into that eight, 10, 11 year old stuff. Show me something there in good condition and I'll show you you know, sometimes insane bidding at auction. Yeah. It's this is to the point where I'm actually now writing and blogging and talking and advising people. It's like, hey, look at the four to six year old stuff. That's where your val. That's where your opportunity, your value is. So, from a dealership angle, you know, if if that stuff is piling up and becoming problematic, it'll be, I guess, interesting in '19 to see how the industry chooses um, to deal with it. Um, on the one hand, you've got fewer owner groups as the consolidation continues at a rapid clip. Um, so I don't know if that will affect the the speed or lack of speed that that stuff gets pushed out. I, I don't know. But, again, hard cash, uh, that's, that's the soft spot. And the buying opportunity, that's what I'm trying to play up to the farm audience is, hey, there's some great value here, folks. Call your local dealer you know bargain on this stuff you, you can get a get some great you know great deals right now
0: yeah my my concern with with the uh kind of the sale of equipment has a lot to do with the uh the number of farmers right now and how, how that how that mm-hmm. is you know so here we are in in renewal season um and you know everybody's going to the bank to see where they can be if how much money their banks gonna loan them for operating notes and if they're gonna get some money if they're not gonna get some money do they need to go find a different lender or or what you know so there's a lot of thing going on a lot of things going on right now that are kind of driving that as these farmers get bigger and ranchers get bigger and stuff like that um, or guys retire or whatever it might be you know there's <coughs> excuse me whatever that might be you know that 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 takes that one more used buyer out of the marketplace and and that's a that I think that's going to be a continual struggle struggle um as as we look at um you know over the next 5 years and what that looks like I mean I think the next 5 years are going to be a a pretty big um jolt to the system uh when we start looking at how the overall farm population kind of interacts with with dealers and and what does that look like so What's your, what's your thought process over the next five years and, and kind of how do you see things shaping up? And, and you, are you noticing any trend lines that, you know, five years ago you said, you know, in your head, you're like, hey, man, I think this is going to happen. And now it's starting to kind of come true.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I, I think, again, you're spot on, Casey. You're always looking ahead. Uh, you know, that's why you are do a great job of what you're doing there. Um, and I would agree. I would say, you know, over the next period of years, five to ten probably five to 15 years, we're going to have, boy, it would have to be what, one of the biggest uh, transformational shifts in ownership of, you know, who is farming and how many people are farming, like you said. Um, So definitely if you look back, um, I started to see it middle of 15 and the raw number of machinery auctions jumped by like 50%. Now it's a little, we have to pull back here and, and, Note that from '08 through early thir- or through '13, the number of auctions was down by 50 percent. Which, of course, there was a better time. You were making money. More older farmers, you know, they were having fun. You're making money, so why quit? And they didn't. But when things turned, spring of '13, I knew it would take a while. Um, it's like if the stock market is roaring for five years and, and then it turns down. You, n- not everyone jumps out immediately. Because you got five years of like, oh, things are good. Things will will get better. Well, it took two years, and then guys started to retire. But what I saw in 17 is when really ramped up the number of older farmers just straight retiring.
0: And again, the
1: the biggest trend within that increase in Farmer Joe retiring is that Farmer Joe has a lot of late model used equipment. I haven't seen this in 29 years tracking auctions just un, unprecedented. So as these guys retire, you're right, there, there there, will be a concern. And you're right to think of it in those terms because, you know, whether it's a dealer or a, you're selling something private or auction, whatever, you, you can't assume the same buyer base that has been there. And a, another, another confirmation of this is, again, yesterday I was at the Iowa uh, Power Farming Show visiting with one of the manufacturers, and we were just chit chatting, whatever, BSing. And uh the, I was like, Well, how many shows do you go to? And the guy goes, ah, eh, going about twenty five or thirty shows. And we got talking and he said, You know, the farm community, if you get right down to it, he goes, This isn't that big. And he, his number was two hundred and fifty thousand. And I you know, I'm just listening and we're talking, and it's like it kind of scary a little bit. And with the hurdles now, the banking law changes and you know the tighter regulations you have to have on your financing it's going to be really interesting these next five ten years how this all transitions it'll transition but i think for dealerships boy you, know, you got to be wary of that and um you know just thinking about it like you are there because that's it's going to be a huge change you no question about it
0: yeah i mean footprint's going to matter whether you're a dealer or you're a farmer you know it's all going to be about mm-hmm. area that you have to cover you know it's all about volume and and you know the volume the volume that you cover is going to ha- is you know the the more space you have to cover the more volume you're going to get so that's that's going to be a you yeah. that's going to be a uh a, a thing moving forward so you brought something up in that that i that I've, I've always been intrigued about and it's the transitional period that we're in right now between you know the generational transition right so you have, um, mm-hmm. you know, dads retiring, grandpas retiring, and and grandson or sons coming back out of college, and they're gonna they're gonna take over. So that that forty year old to twenty year old, you know, is kind of coming back and in, in, into the operation. And a lot of them came back in twenty ten, twenty twelve, when things were just going like gangbusters, and and now they're they're uh, experiencing uh, what grandpa experienced in the eighties, and and same with dad. So, yep. Um, your travels guys you talk to does that come up Does that does that dealing with that with that next generation and what that's like you know and, and what the what the hurdles are that they're overcoming
1: yeah it's interesting uh, topic there Casey yesterday again I was at the show and I was visiting with a, I think if they're not the biggest dealer in Iowa they're the second uh, when we were talking about younger farmers and dealing with them as customers and I think that one part of it, a big part of it is a technological, just how, you know, I, you don't like to generalize. I mean, we have two daughters. They're 27 and 25, and I see how they communicate. And, of course, if you grew up with a cell phone and the Internet, that's your world. We didn't, I didn't grow up that way. So for us, it was a little more personal, um, you know, maybe going into the dealership to talk or going to the farm show to visit with the manufacturers or going to the auction to talk to people and now with you know everyone's on their phone all the time which is great Um, but there's generational changes within that so interesting when we talk to auction companies you know some have embraced that wholly and you know pushing forward leaning into that change a lot of them will say you know i don't necessarily like this i would just assume straight you know call all my auctions on site i like being an auctioneer but they can see the future is, you know, you know, everyone's going to be on their phone, online bidding. So you have to be aware of that. And on the dealership level, again, I, one of the inter- interesting th- things I see, and, uh, you know, it, you look at the employee structure and the age, you know, especially across your sales force. How many young salesmen do you have that are native to the internet, cell phone, uh, Snapchat type thing? And then through your service department. And also, you know, if we think of the customer, how do they expect to be communicated with? So, yeah, changes for banks, for dealers, for auction firms. And I think there's honestly a huge opportunity, whether you're a dealer, or an auction company, a bank, whatever, if you lean into this and aren't afraid of it and say, you know, okay, things are changing, this is fine you can connect with your customer more deeply and frankly, take customers from your competitors. So like on the auction front scene, uh, Steffes Group is a good example. Great company up north there. Actually, they're all over now. But So they hired a young gal, uh, Brittany, and she just does social media. That's all she does for them. She goes around, shoots video, interviews the farmers who are selling beforehand. Great stuff. And I can see it. They're pulling a bigger audience now. So you invest into that instead of saying, oh boy, I don't know about these cell phones. I mean, you're going to get your butt kicked if you think of things that way. That, that's what I see and hopefully that makes a little sense.
0: No, I agree. We, uh, You'd be amazed how many deals get done via text message anymore. There's not uh, Oh, I I bet. Mean, We guys back and forth on text message more than they are on the phone talking. Um, and like to your point... I do I mean, think
1: that... Well, uh, I do think, Casey, you were correct. Earlier, you were talking about the 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 age of the farmer. One one uh, how that's changing and how they communicate. One thing again, I've been doing this 29 plus years, so it used to be the outreach I would get from from farmers. You know, either wondering about, hey Pete, what's this worth, or hey Pete, I'm looking to sell this thing. You know, from the late 80s through the 90s through the 2000s, if I would. If I would, again, try to generalize, the folks that were calling me were about 50, 50 to 62 years old, as that would have felt like. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like at the time there were many 25-year-old guys calling me saying, Hey, Pete, I'm looking up behind an S67." Now, that sh- that ratio has really shifted the last three, four years. And so the outreach we get is from a lot of the younger farmers coming back, you said, like a few years ago.
0: Yeah. So I think
1: that's just going to continue.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a yeah, either you're on, either you're on board with technology or you or you're not. And if you're not, God bless you. It's going to be a rough ride for you because it's 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 not a fat and it's not going away. I, I would right. concur. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now let's talk about here 20 eight or 2019. Um like I said, I think there's you know, I don't see much difference between 2018 and 2019. I think the years uh you know, the volume is going to be similar. I think there's going to be um you know, the same amount of, of, of revenue is going to be generating in, in 2018 or in 2019 compared to 2018. Um, it just feels like it's just going to be a carbon copy unless there's something crazy happens with, um, you know, the China thing, if they get that thing put to bed or, you know, whether they get some weather event or something like that, where you could see 450 corn or something like that. And, and 12, $13 beans, those kind of things again. So, What's your thought on 2019 and, and kind of what, what's your crystal ball telling you moving forward through the end of the year?
1: Well, I would agree completely, Casey. I think uh, my crystal ball is, is going back to kind of mid-2016, and that's sort of when we started to see, you know, whatever, the soft bottom or whatever you want to call it. But uh, basically use evaluations on big late model stuff started to just kind of level off and quit the the massive drop that we had from mid 13 through all of 14, all of 15, early 16. And so when we started, when we saw this little spike, November and December of 17, the question was, was that going to be a short term thing? And that was a good question. I I didn't know, frankly, it was like, wow, these pricing pricing is going up. This is somewhat surprising, but again, it held all through 18 and all through January of 19. So again, outside of the black Swan event, um, you know, I I don't really see things changing that much. But one interesting point, and again, when you when you live on social media like I have the last ten years, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, you know, you run into the 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 Chicken Little crowd, which is is you know part of farming. I, I get it's tough and things. No matter what you say, people oh well wow, thing, things must be, and it's a it's a tough time. I get it. But a lot of times we'll post some of these strong pricings and they're just reality. It's like, well, here's a, you know, last Thursday a John Deere CS690 uh, cotton stripper sold for 550000 on an auction in Texas. So we post that and people are like, oh, well, that, that guy paid way too much or wait till next year. One interesting little sub thing that a couple of people have thrown in there is they said, wait till the money runs out. Now, <clears throat> Again, that's a little bit chicken little uh, viewpoint on the world. But, you know, I don't, you know, there's, you can convince yourself if you think hard enough that things are going to get tougher. But, you know, again, what I've done for almost 30 years is just track things day by day. What are people paying for assets? Are they up? Or are they down? We see the search traffic up. The good condition stuff is selling well. I think, again, demand will stay there through 19 Um, in fact, if we talk black swans, potential things that could happen, I'm sort of more of the mind that a black swan could tip things into overdrive. And, you know, I don't know what would happen if say next Monday, President Trump and they're like, Hey, we, boom, we're done. We've signed everything. We're cool with China. Now, and we have a lot of beans. Um, and I, I'm not an economist. I don't know, but what I do think for sure would happen if, and when corn and beans go up, surge a bit and stick that I think we would, we would see some things unleashed. I think, you know, you look at 2018, the AEM numbers, tractors and combine purchases were up and I'm reporting that used, good condition, used values were up and that's in a crap environment. And now pull back and think of the tax law changes. That went into effect. And that, that doesn't even get really talked about now in terms of the incentives getting ramped up. <clears throat> and we have 10 years of proof looking back to late 2007, what happened when there was money in the system. So, again, if you talk black swans, whenever commodity prices go up, I've told folks on Wall Street this. I said, I'll, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Things are just going to take off. Now, again, I don't know when that will be, what will cause it, but, you know, that's where my head is sitting, I guess.
0: Yeah. As soon as we get four fifty corn, that's when things will take off, and that's when you'll start seeing a fair amount of, mm-hmm. of revenue that they have, you start looking at guys that are gonna have tax problems and this, that, and the other thing. That being right. said, I don't want it to go, I mean, I'm going to get some probably hate mail now, but I don't want that 8 $9 <laughs> corn yeah, right. to come back, or 7 $8 corn to come back. I mean- that didn't really do anybody any favors um yeah people Old made some money problems, right? but a, a whole different set of problems came through and that that's that's right. where you that's where you kind of start running into those price of food and all the different stuff that come along with that so <clears throat> it's definitely something that i would i mean great it was great don't get me wrong we sold a ton of equipment but we also it created a whole nother problem that that i think a lot of people kind of never really thought about and that's if you got a bunch of money, you're going to buy a used piece, you're going to buy a new piece, you're going to buy a new piece, you know? And that was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of used equipment issues in that 2009 to 2012 right. ramp up, especially with combine. So I'm not, right. I'm not asking for any of that. I just one, want some even killness there. <laughs> <laughs> and you probably will get a little heat on that one, Casey, but,
1: uh, one, uh, interesting way to look at the current market. It's interesting. And again, I think, Part of the whole issue is when you come off of, you know, basically from whatever '07 to, you know, into '13, '14, and you know, we'll look back and say, you know, if you were farming, that was probably the longest run of good times ever. There now, what happens is when you come off of that, everything pales in comparison, right? Right. So I was like, oh, you know, corn is three whatever. Well, it used to be used to be a lot higher. Well. I, I do this quarterly report we call it our Machine Repeat Use Values Index. And the, the interesting thing about it, it's based on all the auction prices on, on all types of equipment we compile. And I try to nut it down into a simplistic, you know, overly simplistic 1 to 10 rating scale just to, for the Wall Street crowd, basically, to give them a look. Uh, here's what's happening. When I started putting it out in uh, 2011, <clears throat> I, I, I pegged 6.0 is what I considered stable or normal use valuations based on you know a lifetime of compiling this data and if you look at where we are right now <clears throat> since late 17 through late 18 we're at like 6.7 6.8 and again way lower than where it was 9.2 9.4 back in you know 2012 spring of uh, uh, winter of 13 but historically is just, you know, it's not too bad. And farmers, you know, they've lived through these cycles, 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. They've been up, they've been down. They've seen it all. Conservative people, um, you know, riding out some difficult times. And so you could sort of argue normalized conditions right now the last couple of years. And maybe we shouldn't be surprised. That used valuations have stabilized and new sales slightly picked up last year um again, not like it was in twelve or thirteen, but you know here we are in early nineteen, and things are i don't want to call it smooth sailing or by any means, but you know we've leveled off
0: right yeah we've hit we've we've got that uh one foot on the bottom step, getting ready to take that first step out well, of the basement type of deal
1: exactly.
0: All right, Greg, so let's talk about what's happening over at machinerypeat.com, what kind of stuff you guys are, are cooking up over there.
1: Well, thank you for asking, Casey. Um, yeah, we're just cranking. Uh, I just want to thank, you know, on the one hand, farm, farm audience for going to our website um, and dealers for all your great support, auction firms. Uh, from the end-user uh, perspective, we've been trying really hard to just make a better website, better search experience. Um, so... We've invested quite a bit in that, so it's little things. Um, but when you when you go to the site or you're on your cell phone, we've tried to solve some of the problems of you know, say you're looking for an S670, whatever, and you want a two wheel drive, or you want you want you know, Contour Master, you want this or that on it. So we've allowed you in the main search box to you know just type in JD S670 two wheel drive, and then you know duals, whatever, and you hit search and then it just you know pulls it all together so it's saving you clicks basically so we're continuing to invest in that um and then you know I guess just pushing forward on the dealer side we like I say in in December we partnered with Big Iron um I've known Mark and Ron Stock the owners going way back to the early 90s they (laughs) they used to send me uh, 30 page faxes on their auctions hey Pete here's all the prices from our sales so they're good guys and I've been a fan of what they built with big iron uh you know the absolute auction um so we we're trying to create new mechanisms for dealers uh if you want to use the auction route where we you know can give you an event that's promoted like no other event and that's where our tv show and radio and our social media sites we can do some things. So again, that was fun in December, Yeah, good participation, good results. Um, so that was fun. But, um, we've also added just a for sale by owner option at machinery Pete. So again, Joe farmer, pretty much every farmer's got one item. He'd want to sell. And what we found <coughs> there was the trick was if, if, if Joe's got uh, whatever, a whatever batwing mower for sale, throw, you know, throw it on Craigslist or egg talk or whatever, you know, that's great, but when you really look at how people use the internet and search, so many folks in general and in the farm lines, they, just, they don't even know they're doing it, but they go to Google to start every search they do. So they just see the little box and they type in whatever they're looking for. So when you do that and you say you type in a John Deere you know, HX-15 more for sale, If you list your thing on Craigslist or some of these discussion boards or whatever, you ain't going to get a sniff. That's just not how SEO works. You're not going to show up. Now, we've invested heavily with machinerypeat.com so the listings, dealer listings, and now the for sale by owner listings, show up at the top in unpaid listings. Google likes, they look at your website, all the content, and they sort of rank it. Against everything else in the space. So now, if Joe Farmer lists his HX15 Batwing with us, if someone goes to Google, they're going to get that machine repeat link. They're going to see Joe's HX15 Batwing board. So we're trying to create efficiencies uh, for dealers, uh, for farmers. Obviously, the same applies for auction firms. Um, You know, they've now that's really interesting there because if you're an auction company, forever you've been advertising the event like hey we got a, we got an auction on february 23rd well great you know but what's on the auction well guess what i got a 2017 s670 combine so over the years i'd talk to these auctioneers and they'd be you know sweating bullets they're like jeez that forge chopper that 24 how plan i gotta get some buyers in for that thing darn right you do and you know even throwing your sale bill out there on the internet, that leaves it up to the end user to to filter through your sale bill to find the S670. Well, we're trying to change that and flip it. So now you can promote the items on your sale plus the event itself, and we're we're sort of on the edge of taking it the next step. And this is you know whether you're a dealer or auction firm or selling privately you know, target promoting. So, you know, don't just put it out there for sale, but go follow the people who have just clicked on that item and expressed an interest in it, whether that's a HX-15 mower or a combine or whatever. Go follow them and put your message in front of them. So we're, we're sort of, you know, putting these options in front of our dealers and auctioneers and excited about, you know, hopefully what we can, do and, and create a better user experience and frankly if you're selling equipment margins are so thin it's unbelievably it's a great business but if there if there can be a way, you know, I guess you could say ironically, to not take something to auction. Talking to Mr. Auction Guy here, but you know, sell it above auction price, it's gonna help your bottom line. So that's what we're pushing for, Casey. Right on.
0: Well Greg, as always you're a wealth of knowledge and And uh, I appreciate you being on my podcast. If guys want to reach out to you and pick your brain or ask you questions or whatever that might be, how would they do that?
1: Well, you just hit us up at machinerypeat.com, Casey. And there's links on there, contact information, or just chase me down on, you know, whatever YouTube or Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just type Machine Repeat in. We'll pop up. And again, uh, here to help however we can.
0: Right on. Well, Greg, if you guys are out there bouncing around, you're going to see Greg at some auctions from time to time. And, and that's how he's, Made his living for the last, what, 28 years, Greg? Uh,
1: a little over 29 now. 29. It's uh,
0: kind of scary, huh?
1: but uh, having a lot of fun along the way, Casey. Right on.
0: Okay. Well, you'll see him at those auctions from time to time. Greg, I'm sure, we'll run into each other sometime this year. And Until then, have a, good, have a uh, good 2019, and we'll talk to you down the road, bud.
1: Sounds great, Casey. Thanks much.
0: Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at MovingIronPodcast at MovingIronPodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Here you can find Morning Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out GlobalAgNetwork.com for more details and updates. You'll be able to hear Dry Line Farmer podcast, Girls Talk Ag, The Top Soil podcast, Ag News Daily, Working Cows, Heifer Please, Throwback Iron, and Ask Agnes. Please visit MovingIronLLC.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at your favorite podcasting platform. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out.
1: Moving higher in the 21st century Hard-working people working hard for you and me Moving higher time and time again Through the years you'll find a scene